0: Hello, everyone. This is your host, CW3 Sewell, with the Warrant Officer Recruiting Company. And today we will be exploring the Warrant Officer MOS 170 Alpha Cyber Warfare Technician and 170 Bravo Electronic Warfare Technician. Our special guest today is none other than the Cyber Warrant Officer proponent himself, Chief Warrant Officer 4 Matthews. CW4 Matthews will be taking, talking to us about what it means and takes to become a cyber technician in today's Army. CW4 Matthews, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to hear your input in all the different ways that the Cyber Warrant Officer MOS's contribute to the cyber mission and its accomplishment. Chief Matthews, please tell us a little about yourself and your military career.
1: Sure, Chief Sewell. Um Well, I've been in the Army about 22 years. Uh, I started my career as an enlisted military intelligence soldier, and at about the seven-year mark, I transitioned over to being a warrant officer. Uh, when I switched over, I switched over and became a 352 November signals intelligence technician, uh, and then I remained a 352 November uh, until about six years ago when the Army created the cyber branch. Uh, when they recreate when they created the cyber branch. I was introduced to the MOS 170-alpha because I had already uh, been working in digital network intelligence, and I had went to the school uh, JCAC which is a joint cyber analysis course. I was one of the first people to transition over to the MOS 170-alpha, or cyber warfare technician. Um, up until about 18 months ago, I was an analyst. Um, pretty much did all my time as a cyber analyst. And being as a technical director for the joint forces headquarters army cyber uh as you know now i'm the cyber proponent i've been doing that for about 18 months
0: thank you can you tell us a little about how the cyber warrant officer proponent job fits into the warrant officer recruiting picture
1: sure sure um as the cyber warrant officer proponent, proponent i i serve as the human resources planner and advisor on all personnel development matters dealing with cyber warrant officers Uh, as far as how i fit into the warrant officer recruiting picture i have the unique pleasure of reviewing and then approving or disapproving the technical qualifications of those interested in becoming either 170 alpha or 170 bravo
0: okay thank you so we've come up with a list of some questions that either former candidates or those that are in the process of putting together their application as when pursuing the option to submit a Warrant Officer application in a career as either, you know, 170 Alpha or 170 Bravo. So, we'll go into those now. Before we get into them, can you give us, you know, like a quick little background? Who or what influenced you to become a Warrant Officer? Why did you choose this career path?
1: I can't pin it on one specific warrant officer, but more as the warrant officer cohort as a whole uh, that really influenced my decision to to become a warrant officer. As a young MI soldier, enlisted, and NCO, uh, I had the pleasure of working with many MI MI warrant officers. Uh, Many of the MI warrant officers were the epitome of the silent professional. Uh, Unlike the officers or NCOs that were in front of the formations and leading the company on runs, On a day-to-day basis, the warrant officer was focused on honing his or her technical craft and conducting operations, and that that appealed to me. Uh, Those warrant officers were always the go-to individuals. Uh, When it came to technical questions, when it came to the battalion having a tough technical problem that needed to solve, he always went to that warrant officer. And because of that, uh, I, I wanted to be like those guys.
0: So why should someone pursue a career either as a 170 Alpha or 170 Bravo?
1: Okay, there's a few reasons. The first is that cyber is one cyber and EW is is not only the most exciting and fast and growing career field in the Army, but also in the civilian world. Also. Um, As part of the cyber branch, a a warrant officer has the opportunity to receive some of the best training, some of the best on-job experience through their operations, both better than both the military, the rest of the military branches, in my opinion, of course, (laughs) and what what we see in the civilian sectors. This is one of the only places you get to really hone those type of skills. Uh, And then finally, uh, we have over a dozen different work roles That you can pursue from developing cyber tools to defending some of the most critical infrastructure that our country has, and and that's all done via either cyber operations or EW operations. Uh, We get to respond to some of the the, the country's tough problems right now, and we're using a a highly critical skill set that I think no one else has.
0: So, and that kind of leads into the next question on what's the difference between cyber and EW? And then for those, because it is open to all MOSs, right, how would an individual that either is currently working in the cyber field or someone from the outside that may have a cyber interest or background know what they can apply for either cyber or EW? How do you differentiate between those two?
1: Okay. Uh, when we look at, let's start with EW. When we look at EW, your EW1 officers are experts within the electromagnetic spectrum. And really, there are tactical commanders SMEs. These are the guys that the tactical commander goes to from everything from RF propagation to electronic warfare attack to jamming to modulation methods. This is what the the EW technician really is all about. He's your tactical. He or she is your tactical level warrant officer in SME. Uh, on the flip side, you have the cyber warrant officers, and they are experts in planning, executing, directing, and integrating offensive and defensive cyber operations. You know, think protecting your key infrastructure infrastructure from being hacked. Think uh, responding to attacks that may come from foreign governments or, or something like that. This is what uh, your cyber operations guys do. Uh, when you look at, hey, what are the type of qualifications and these guys will that they will come in from outside, on the cyber side, it's a little easier because on the cyber side, a lot of what we do align with what you see on the outside. So individuals that have programming skills, that understand hacking methodology, things like a certified ethical hacker or uh, those that have a, a good firm grasp of, OS fundamentals, Windows, uh, Linux operations. We look for individuals outside of just cyber that have those skills. And if they could demonstrate those through education, uh, operations outside of work, outside of day-to-day Army life, or through technical certifications, we love them. On the other side, for EW, EW is heavy in math, heavy in physics, heavy in understanding radio wave propagation. So... uh, people truthfully people that have worked at verizon and telecommunication companies those are also good individuals that would that would benefit that we would benefit from having coming over from the civilian sector into our ew community
0: okay thank you for that clarification as the cyber proponent when an applicant calls or you meet with you know someone as we go out on these recruiting trips and stuff And they ask, what can they do to strengthen their packet? Or how do they know if they're a qualified candidate and a strong candidate? What advice do you give them?
1: I break it down to really uh, a couple key areas. The first area is, are you a good leader? We need leaders across the board. And and as you know, as a warrant officer, your first job, though you are technical, you are a technical leader. So we want you to demonstrate that you have strong NCOERs, that you know how to lead and train soldiers. Uh, To to add to that, we want to make sure that you know how to lead and train soldiers within the MOS that you're applying for. It's great that you were the driver for uh, the, the battalion sergeant major or for the general. Great stuff. But how does that help you in cyber operations or electronic warfare? Uh next we look for education. Both how well did you do when you were when you went to your PMEs and, and you had to, to hone your skills? How did you do? How well did, did you go out and get some additional education that aligns with that? So if you're a cyber guy, did you go out and get a degree uh associates in computer science? Um, Next, we look at things like your technical certifications, both on the EW and the cyber side. Did you go out and get SEC plus? Did you go out and get CH? Did you go out and get some of those things that will, will strengthen your package? So usually we tell individuals, hey, increase your education. Get out there and get more technical certifications. And when we say technical certifications, we're not just talking about uh, the big wigs. We're talking about if you can go on Udemy, Udacity, and you can show that you've honed up on your programming skills, we take it. Because that shows that you have the ambition, the drive to go out there and better yourself, not just uh, and and take your standard set plus, net plus, those type things. Uh, And then finally, we need NCOs that that know how to be good NCOs and good leaders. So sometimes we get individuals who have not done so well in their NCORs and they need more time. You know, maybe they only have three NCORs and those three NCORs, NCORs weren't that great. A lot of times we'll go back and say, hey, you may need another one or another two to strengthen your package just to make sure you are a in this, uh in this block.
0: So what about those MOSs that aren't a feeder MOS? You know, they may not be in the cyber realm right now, but they have a computer science degree or a cyber background of some sort that are serving in another enlisted MOS, and their NCOERs are not going to back that technical experience in the MOS, what can you say for those that are looking at this as a opportunity for a MOS?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, when you look at the, specifically our on 170 Alpha, we right now have a two to one ratio. What I mean is for every uh, one warrant officer, there's two NCOs. On a normal basis, that's usually a one to eight or one to 12 ratio. For every one uh, warrant officer, there's eight to 12 NCOs for for us to choose from. With us only having two 17 Charlies per warrant officer, it's very hard for us to recruit from 17. So 60% of our of our candidates that come in are from other MOSs. this is where education technical training and general nco drive uh plays a plays a a a major role in the decision making process first we need to show that you have the education and certification to support that you understand some of this highly technical stuff. You understand OS fundamentals. You understand hacking methodology. You understand programming. So we look to make sure that either you have the certifications or the degree in that. So that checks that block. Then we go and look at what type of NCO were you? Were you an NCO that went out of your way and did went above and beyond? You went and took on new challenges. You exceeded at those challenges when you went out and, take, and, and took them on. Uh, for For us, that's really what makes the key. Uh, if you look at our last class, our last class that graduated, Warren offers a basic course. The two, the distinguished grad and the undergrad, neither one of them were 17 Charlies. Uh, one was a civil affairs guy, and the other uh, individual was a linguist. And that was our distinguished grad and grad. But their NCOERs showed that they had drive. For example, the distinguished grad, while he was deployed, he took CIS-P, which is a very hard um, – certification, one of the top certifications for us, completed it and passed it while he was on uh, deployment. The other one completed his bachelor's in cybersecurity while deployed. That showed that he had drive. Uh, and those are the things that we're looking for for our NCOs.
0: Okay. Thank you for that clarification. In all of the MOS prereqs, are listed on the Warrant Officer website at Now as well if you guys are unaware of what they may be, or just need a refresher of what is required for either 170 Alpha or 170 Bravo. What are the training opportunities that are available to enlisted soldiers that will benefit them as they progress either their cyber careers or are looking into potentially, is cyber something that I want to go into?
1: You know, on the cyber side, cyber and EW warrant officers are, are lifelong learners, starting with just our PME. Uh, it's top-notch. We get warrant officers who learn everything from what we talked about, hacking methodology, OS fundamentals, intermittent programming, and we're moving to where they're going to get civilian certifications upon completing WOBC. That's just PME. Uh, then when you look at the on job on-the-job training, there is nowhere – Uh, legally that you will ever get offensive cyber operations experience. You can't hack legally. (laughs) So uh, with with that being said, that right there is training within itself that's invaluable. And and then when we go into things like um, ACS and TWI, which I know we'll talk about later, but when you look at ACS and TWI, the opportunities for us are, 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 we have a plethora of them. And when you look at ACS, for example, uh, we have, those that have completed data scientist uh, degrees, those that went out and got forensics degrees. We even have a warrant officer, CW4 now, that's in the Naval Postgraduate School earning her PhD. And those are opportunities you just won't get in, in other career fields.
0: Okay, great. So if they're not in, say, with someone is in 11 Bravo right now, has a cyber degree or is, you know, EW background, what can they do to continue training to make themselves a stronger candidate because they're not working in that career field currently so is there opportunity for those who are not currently in an mo you know a 17 series 17 charlie that can still hone their skills and kind of stay parallel to those that are sitting in that mos
1: yes so there are a couple things that this out there so there's one we have a, a, a class called a uh, CCTC, which is a cyber core technical training, which is an HRs course that individuals can apply to, and they can get the baseline of of all those things we talked about that you get in WOBC, and that's that's open to the forces, the the masses. Uh, the other piece is, though it is not a cyber specific uh, type path, is the cool website. Uh, I don't know how many how many of those out there have been uh, up to date on the credentialing site, but the ability to go on there and see what, so I want to become a 170 alpha or I want to become a 170 bravo one day. We have updated all of our cyber certifications in there where you should be able to go in and see, hey, which one of those cyber certifications should I be going after next? Uh, As you know, with the Army credentialing, if you already have a degree, so let's say you have an associate's, a bachelor's, and a master's, that's three certifications that you can take outside of your MOS that the Army will pay for. Uh, That's a great opportunity for those individuals to try to keep in line because you know those certifications align with our MOS. Uh, And then you can also see if any of those, a lot of our 25 series do that. A lot of the 25 series align with what's on the 170 Alpha they can go on there, and a lot of those already fall within those their MOS, so they can go out and take those certifications. So those are just a couple of ways that uh, they can prepare themselves and make sure they're on the path uh, to being a successful candidate for 170 Alpha or Bravo.
0: Okay, so we've discussed a lot on the technical side. At what time should a soldier submit their application for a warrant officer and then how do you ensure that you have not only the technical side of it but you touched on a little you know the leadership managerial that now is going to be expected of you as you become a warrant a w123 and it increases as you get promoted right how do you have a good balance when's a good time to know that you have a good balance and not just the technical side but the leadership and managerial and then not so much where you're outside of the technical side have a heavy load of leadership managerial but are still tied into the tech side
1: I think this differs for, for each candidate. I, I'll, I'll tell you the, the average. So on average, 170 Bravos are about 11 years average time when we get our, our top candidates that actually get accepted. So the average people that we've accepted, candidates we've accepted over the past two years, they put in their packets at about 11 years. Uh, that's 11 years in the service, time in service. Uh, and most of them have been NCOs for about six or seven years. Uh, That's on the Bravo side. On the Alpha side, it's a little younger, about eight years is your average time. Uh, And those individuals have about five years of experience as NCOs and uh, and technical leadership. Uh, When we're talking about you know, what's that optimal time where where you hit the pinnacle of your leadership and your technical expertise uh, coming together and culminating to the the ideal candidate? Uh, it really comes down to when you're at the point as an NCO that you have demonstrated through your evaluations that one, you have went out there and got the education that you needed. Two that you 've went out there and you 've applied that that education and the training that you got to better your soldiers as a as a leadership guy, so when we look at NCOERs, we 'll see things like hey uh, uh, let the led twenty five soldiers in passing security push you know or we'll see something like uh was the operations n c o i c for the twenty five man section uh that was able to find this virus within these systems those type things show us that hey these guys right now are at the point not only are they leading soldiers they're training soldiers and they're having impact beyond themselves and their immediate circle that's that's kind of what we look at and when we go into the the grading skill or how i how I truly evaluate we'll, we'll tap a little more into exactly how i go and grade on that
0: Okay, so if an applicant has an, you know, interest in going warrant officer, may not have started, you know, the application process, has questions, wants to, you know, kind of talk what the difference is between enlisted and warrant, when, and they don't have a senior warrant, either cyber EW within their organization, How can they go and get in contact with an individual that they can learn more about this opportunity from? And when do you recommend that they start talking with a warrant about their desire to either learn more about what, you know, their path is as a warrant officer and what the opportunities are, or if they already have decided that they want to do that, when to submit an application? So, kind of, I guess the question is, is they don't know a warrant within their organization, either Cyber or EW, who to talk to about their options and what it's like, when should they start having that conversation with them and how do they find a warrant if they don't know one already?
1: Okay, the first, you know, the first step is the Warrant Officer Recruiting page. If they're interested in being a 170 Alpha or 170 Bravo, they'll find my name when you go into the individual MOSs. Reach out to me. I I have a contact list of every 170 Alpha and 170 Bravo that we have in the army, and what I'll do is I will reach out to one that's closest to them and make that connection if they're interested in becoming a warrant officer. Now, there's two different levels of that. The first one is, hey, I'm just interested in becoming a. I'm interested in knowing what's the difference between a 170 Alpha and a 170 Bravo, or I'm interested in. Uh, uh, I'm interested in what's the difference between an NCO and a and, and a warrant officer. That. Perfectly fine for the conversation with me. Call the proponent. We will work that out, and I will score you away because I'm already a 170 Alpha, and I work with the Bravo, so I can provide that information. If it's going to the point where you are ready, you are looking at, at putting in a packet and you want to start your packet, we can get you in touch with a 170 Alpha or 170 Bravo that can break it down and kind of give you that mentorship. No problem with that. All the warrants that we contact, you know how the Wolfpack is. We have no issues with uh, communicating to potentials on on what they need and what's their steps as far as time frame. Soon as a uh, you, you realize, I have I have soldiers that finish what used to be called PLDC. <laughs> uh, when they finish school, they come. When they finish BLC, they are interested in one day becoming a warrant officer. I knew I wanted to be a warrant officer when I was in E5. Um, that is the time to reach out. Start getting that mentorship. It may be a, hey, once a quarter, give me a call and let me know where you are. We have that quite often Where we have warrant officers meet and, and and mentor soldiers throughout their time. When you're getting a little closer to your packet, that's a different story. Uh, what we request is when you're getting close to, you're starting on your packet, you've been working with a mentor, you're ready to really submit a packet. You need a warrant officer to write your recommendation. We, ha- we have a request. We request that you're at, 85% of your packet which means you you have your 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 NCOERs in there you have your um you have your education in there your certifications all that you may not have your your company commander or battalion commander but you have the 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 meat of the packet ready when you have the meat of that packet connect with the proponent myself and then I will connect you with a warrant officer in that MOS that's hopefully close by your location that will walk you through the process this needs to happen probably 90 days at a minimum before you want to submit your packet. What we often get is an is a, a NCO that's interested in putting in a packet and they want to submit a packet next week for the deadline. And that, unfortunately uh does not give that warrant officer who does not know the candidate enough time to truly review the packet and then if there's some stuff that the warrant officer would like the, warrant, the the NCO to work on let's say they go through and they say hey you know you you're doing well but I think you need to grab this certification that doesn't give the the NCO time to go and do that and and make sure that that packet is ready to be submitted and can get that recommendation from that senior warrant officer so we ask 85 percent of your packet is done uh, about three months prior to uh, actual submission date Uh, and then i will square you away and hook you up with a warrant officer that will review your packet and determine if they will endorse you for a recommendation
0: yeah and i agree if this is the path that you think that you want to go down or at least just have questions reach out to a warrant and start you know asking those questions and the earlier you can get mentorship and guidance along the way to make sure that you meet your milestones and are on track. So once you are ready to submit your application and start putting it together, you are technically qualified and a highly qualified candidate versus waiting towards the end part of that, right? And now you're trying to backtrack and get certifications and get a little more technical experience. So the earlier that you can have mentorship and guidance, Personally, I think it's very beneficial to you. And then I like the idea of 85% of your packet together so you can kind of get an idea of that background of an individual and what they have done or where they may be missing or can become a little stronger. So, with that, what makes an applicant well-rounded? Is it recommended that they, in certain positions, have so many um, duty assignments? How do you become a well-rounded, either cyber or EW applicant?
1: It differs. It differs. Because on the 170 Alpha side, we'll start with those guys. On the, on the 170 Alpha side of the house, uh, because we don't have candidates that always come from a cyber unit, because they're not always 17 Charlies, uh, we have to expand out that well-rounded. Uh, I have a grading scale. Uh, that that kind of lays out what I think is a well-rounded candidate, and on that greater scale, I break it down into two major categories. Those two major categories come down to performance and education. Uh, for performance, is broken down into two 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 topics: general ed- general um, performance, which looks at hey, how good of an NCO were you? And I talk about this all the time. We want quality NCOs. We don't want individuals to transition over to warrant because uh, NCO, they weren't performing as an NCO. Uh, we want NCOs that feel that they can offer something to the warrant officer cohort and that they will be value added. So we look for those NCOERs that show that they have, you know, uh, they're training soldiers, that they're leading soldiers, and that they're getting those top-rated, uh, ratings. They're getting the most qualified. They're getting the top 10, 20%. They get, get must promote, promote now, uh, sent to school immediately, those type things. So that's your general performance. Then I look at your technical performance. I, like I said at the beginning of this uh, podcast, if we if we see yard that say you were the best admin clerk or you were the best um, company driver, those are great but they don't help you with your technical performance. So I, I really look hard to say, hey, was this the best cyber guy there ever was? Was this a you know, the, the the best EW guy there ever was? Or was he the best driver? Those things make a difference. Then when we look at technical training and education, the first part we look at is uh technical certifications, uh, or any type of training that shows that you have went out and tried to hone your technical skills, um, you know, on the cyber side. If you went out and got SecPlus, Plus, you got a Ceh, you went out and got CSP, you went out and got some of those key certifications. We're like, okay, on the on the EW side, did you go out and get the cyber planning the course? Did you go out and get the joint planning course? Uh, are you are you certified in your weapon system? Uh, those type things. And then we go look at education. Education is important. The Army is becoming more educated across the board. Twenty years ago, you wouldn't expect a warrant officer to have a degree. Now we do. Sixty percent of all our candidates have at least associates. So we expect you to be working toward your degree. Uh, And we hope that you're working toward a degree that aligns with the MOS you're trying to go in. So I take all four of those, and I make an average. Uh, and I grade them on a scale from one to five. And if I get an average of three, that tells me you're doing you're doing pretty good. Uh, and, and that way, I I can make it unbiased because somebody like you, like we mentioned when we first started. Uh, you may have a 17, a person interested in becoming 170 Alpha that has no operational experience in cyber because they were a full service tech, but they have a cyber master's uh, and they've taken numerous cyber certifications outside of work and they're the top of the top within their their current MOS. So I got to take that in consideration. So that's just an example of how I look at a, a well-rounded NCO.
0: Okay, that's great information. I even took some notes on that to add to our brief and when we do it as well on how to, you know, break it down on what makes someone, you know, qualified and well-rounded. So, an applicant submits, you know, their application. They've been selected. They're getting ready for walks and WOBC. What are some of the biggest adjustments as an individual switches from enlisted to warrant officer? And do you have any suggestions on what they can do in that time from selection to going to school to help ease the transition or make it a little smoother?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. So I, I I converse with the warrant officer assignment manager on the cyber side on a regular basis. So basically once the the candidate gets picked up and he's selected, uh, I work with the branch manager to make sure they're assigned in the right place and they're, they're squared away. and, and you know they're coming from Germany. They can get to class. They want airborne school. All, all of those great things, and, and a couple of the things that we see, uh, that that we would like to make sure <laughs> that candidates are aware of is one that you're kind of starting over, it, it, and I, and I won't say that. Uh, you're starting over from scratch because, as you know, warrant officers get as brand new W1 W1s. We get probably the most respect out of any of the old other cohorts. We get more respect than a lieutenant, than a brand new E5. Uh, W1s get the respect because because officers, NCOs know that they went through a rigorous process to become a warrant officer, and that respect was earned. Um, however, comma. <laughs> you have to be an active member of the wolf pack and continue to uphold uh the standard which means that you're going to have to work and expect that you know you may have been at E7 and you were on I won't say easy street but you had some liberties and and some freedoms and and some just just freedom of movement that you may not have when you're a W-1. When you're a W-1, this is your time to hone your craft to be the best that you can possibly be. You want to be that person that when an an officer or NCO has a question, you have that answer or at least know how to go get it. And in order to do that, you have to put forth that effort. So um, one of the big things is even while you're waiting to go to WBC and walks, give me a call say hey what is the what's the new uh, what will I be learning in WOBC? can you send me the training schedule I will send you the training schedule and you will see hey I need to I need to get up on PHP I need to make sure I understand how to do PowerShell and practice those things while you're prepping make sure that you are honing because right now you are going to be looked at as a technical expert so make sure that you you truly earned that um, the final one and I ran into this as a as a w one and I'm sure you probably did too if you were a high speed and I thought i was high speed uh, if you were a high speed n c o sometimes it's hard to let that go. The transition uh what we see most often is w ones get in and they want to take over uh their section they get to the organization and they want to hey i was a seven i was e six and this is how I ran my section those days, and not to say that you can't. Uh, influence the way your section run, but at, you, you need to let the NCOs be NCOs, give them, let them have the opportunity that you had, and you need to focus on being the best warrant officer you can possibly be and let that NCO be the best NCO that he or she can be.
0: Yes, that's a great one, leaving your NCO time behind that is not your realm anymore. Focus on, you know, what is expected of you as a W-1 and, you know, go down that road and do the best that you can do. Now, you hit a little on working with HRC and making sure that newly appointed W-1s are put into an assignment that is fitting for them. What do assignment options look like for either a new cyber EW, W-1, and then what should their career map look like to make sure that they are continuing to be well-rounded warrant officers and learning as with their promotion that they're meeting whatever marks, Milestones that they should be to make sure that they continue to develop the way that the cyber EW wants them to develop.
1: Okay, Um, starting with the EW guys. So the EW warrant officer starts at the BCT level. So. What's great about the EW warrant officer is, as I mentioned before, they are the tactical commanders' to me, which means they need experience at each level of the operational army. So they start at the BCT, they leave the BCT, and they go to the division, and from division they go to corps. You, you know, they they go and CW5s go to ASCC.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: need experience. So if you're a W1, you're going to a BCT. It, it, it is pretty much written in stone. You are going to a BCT. A lot of times, I work with the assignment manager because you may be, you may receive a warrant officer that just came from Ranger School, that was a, a Ranger certified prior as an NCO, and we may have recruited this EW warrant to go back and fill a Ranger slot or a Special Forces slot as a warrant officer. So then, those individuals, if they're interested, have the option of going back to, to to those special. Formations and continuing on their career there. However, even in those formations, in order to to be a, have a successful career as an EW warrant, you have to show your proficiency at each tactical level, going from brigade to uh, to division to corps to ASCC, and that's how you do it on the EW side. Uh, on the 170 Alpha Cyber Warfare Technician side, it's a little more complicated. Cyber has over a dozen different work roles so it takes a little more tailoring when a soldier gets out so you may have a class of let's say six individuals and all six of those individuals have a different are certified already in a different cyber work role because they became cyber certified as an NCO on the cyber side of the house there are levels of certification you start off as basic you go to journeyman and you go to master the goal on the uh, cyber warrant officer side is that you become a master technician in a work role and that you're certified in multiple work roles. So if you come out and you're certified in one, one, one work role, let's say you're a journeyman in work one, one work role, we may send you to a unit to learn a new work role. So that way you knock out. Hey, I I know two work roles, and then your next assignment will go back so you can start honing your skill or your primary work role. So let's say you start off. I'm, for example, I'm a digital network uh, exploitation analyst, and I'm a, a an overall EA exploitation analyst. So those are two different work roles in the army. I'm a I'm a senior DNEA, but I'm a basic EA, and those are and as I move up the 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 progression, I will become a master uh, DNEA, and I will be probably a senior EA, and that will make sure I have a successful career. The other part is that we must have experience in both offensive and defensive operations on the cyber side. So when you come in, if all of your time as enlisted has been on the defensive side, let's say the, um, the Cyber Protection Brigade, we may if there is a billet open, we may send you to the offensive side and you may get some time on the 780th Brigade, learning a work role and getting up to speed. Uh, Overall, for 170 Alphas, 75% of brand new W-1s go to Fort Gordon. And on top of going to Fort Gordon, they go to the Cyber Protection Brigade because we have most of our billets there. That's where most of our W-1 and W-2 billets are at the Cyber Protection Brigade. So 75% of your warrants will go there on the 170 Alpha side. Uh, In addition, EW you can go anywhere EW because you are aligned with the tactical forces so you can go to 82nd 101st you just keep going However, that's not the case. If you become a 170 alpha 170 alpha as most people know uh, The Army cyber is moving down to Fort Gordon and will be here by the end of this year 85 to 90 percent of all of the cyber jobs will be on Fort Gordon as a matter of fact when you look at our CW5 positions there are seven CW5 positions, and six of them will be at Fort Gordon <laughs> next year. So, so it's just so when I talk to new candidates, if if you're a 170 alpha, but you're not interested in being in uh, Fort Gordon, that that may not be a good option for you <laughs> because uh, so many of the positions are here at Fort Gordon.
0: So I'm like a lot of MOSs where you're gonna bounce around every few years. If you're gonna stay cyber, then you- likely homestead at Fort Gordon
1: pretty much and, you know but that's really a benefit if you're if you're a person that wants okay. to stay in one place mm-hmm. yep
0: so you hit on it a little with you know talking and I'll stay on the cyber side of it right seems how there are multiple different work roles and like levels and stuff and offensive versus defensive and everything right so what are some of the challenges that a new w1 will have at their first duty station? If they've spent a lot of their enlisted time only in, you know, offensive versus defensive or certain work roles and stuff, do you try to put them into a position where they are comfortable uh, from their enlisted background and then they can start broadening from there? Or are they going to be, you know, kind of put into a position right away to challenge them on what they don't know? You take, okay, you guys already know this, so we're now going to put you outside your comfort zone a little.
1: I I think this is one of the benefits of being in cyber and being a new branch and being a small branch. We have a lot of control or a lot of leeway or a lot of freedom of movement within the cyber branch, especially with new warrants. When I say I have those discussions, uh, the branch manager, uh, a m point of fact Uh, the branch manager is a 170 bravo so he he knows all the 170 bravo pieces and where they go so he kind of handles that but because I'm an alpha I usually advise on where the alphas go Uh, this is where uh, other branches may not have this leeway but we really have that discussion with the 170 alpha Uh, we go one first we look at their background and say okay if if you are in a what what we like to call a priority MOS, and I mean a priority work role, uh, which we have about three. One is two developer, one is EA exploitation analyst, and the other one uh, is Ion interactive operator, or Net operator. Uh, if you are in one of those key work roles where we have less than fifty percent man's right now, you are likely going back to one of those key work roles because we need you. Uh, unless okay. you just say, hey, listen, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to try something new. If you want to try something new, we will try to get you in there. Because at this time, you we want to – cyber right now is not only about uh, meeting the mission, but also making – helping soldiers uh, stay in the Army. And to do that, you have to keep them happy. And to keep them happy, a lot of times it may be as simple as changing their work role. Hey, I did this for six years. I want to try something new. Um The other piece we take into consideration uh, when we talk to individuals is some individuals are ready for a challenge. So they did a workaround. They're like, man, I really want to. I've been defense my whole time. I really want to go offense. I just want to try it out. And because you're a W1, W2, as you know, that's kind of your time to, to make a mistake. So if you want to try something new. Let's go ahead and send you there now, so that you can try that new. So, so you can learn from it. We we would hate to send you there to so three and four, where your career really depends on it, and you have no experience on that. Um, and then probably probably the final thing, as you know, we have to deal with billets. of the billets fall into the Cyber Protection Brigade. Now, we're working on that where we're balancing out the force, and we expect to see that within two years, which is helping out new candidates that's interested in coming over to cyber. But as of right now, if you were to graduate WAX, 75% of your jobs are in the Cyber Protection Brigade. So if we're filled on the offensive side, it may be hard for us to get you that opportunity right off. But one of the great things is if you're really interested in that, we we work with you. Hey, we're going to write this into your file that if you do what you're supposed to do when you go to the cyber protection brigade, we will make sure that you are in the running because, you know, the new aim system. So it's a vote process. You are in the mm-hmm. running to be uh, an offensive cyber warrant if that's what you want to do. So I hope that answers the question.
0: It does. And I think, you know, like you said, cyber has flexibility that a lot of other MOS's don't have just based off on where the majority of your billets sit and that it's a new MOS and everything. So you guys are able to work it a little different than some of those other proponents and MOS's are able to, you know, kind of work with their warrants and put them where they need them and based off of skill and background and everything. So, and that kind of leads into career development opportunities, right? What is their, for education, you know, purposes for them along with either like broadening in training with industry that may take them out of cyber for a little while and then they can go back in, right? So what is going to set them apart from their peers for promotion wise? What opportunities are there for continuing training education within the cyber or EW realm or on the outside that will separate them from peers and then show that you can still operate within that field when you go back?
1: Yeah, probably our, probably our three biggest, very similar to the rest of the branches, is TWI, uh, training with industry, ACS, uh, advanced civil schooling, and for us, we have a couple key broadening assignments like West Point. Um, I'll start with TWI. TWI, it, it, across the board, is it, it, a, a great program. It's properly utilized, but we 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 have some really unique opportunities. Once again, you talked about the flexibility. Uh I am in a position now as the proponent that that if a warrant calls me and says, "Hey, I think we should try to do a TWI with the Norton," which a warrant officer did, uh the the TWI uh, operations manager works here uh, right beside me. I went to her and said, "Hey, can we get can we get a TWI with Norton?" Uh, about a month later, Norton came down and presented to us their case on what they could offer to our soldiers to be able to come through and train with them uh, for a year time frame and get some much needed experience on how to protect network, networks and antivirus and all that great stuff, which obviously is very important when you're looking at cybersecurity. Uh, so that's probably one of the, the top. And, and we have a, warrant officers play an active role in that. As a matter of fact, next week I'm having a meeting with the current warrants for us to write out what TW opportunities we think would best. Uh, fit our cohort for the next uh, couple years, so that's one. Uh, advanced civil schooling. We talked about we have a a warrant officer in the Naval Postgraduate Graduate Program working on her PhD in cybersecurity. Uh, this is the same warrant officer that did a three year tour at West Point teaching cybersecurity uh, the the year the a couple of years prior. So we we have some some great opportunities. We're also in the works with a Naval uh, EW course. Uh, to make sure we bring some of our EW guys that are from the past to bring them up to the new technology and working with uh, the Naval Postgraduate to create a ACS program to get those uh, warrant officers an uh, a EW master's, basically everything dealing from radio wave propagation to modulation and all that great stuff, an 18-month program that would be a hybrid. So great opportunities there. And then finally we had a uh, – we we noticed the need, like you said, that flexibility. It's it's fantastic in cyber. We noticed that many of the systems we were using lacked data analytics. Uh, we just lacked it, and that's across the U.S. As you know right now, that is a, a field that we're we're definitely low on, and that we're hurting across the board. So, what did we do? We we asked one of the warrant officers that was interested, hey, would you like to go to school and get a data scientist degree and come back and do three years and run this data analytics cell? And that's exactly what she did. She went and got her second master's and came back and ran the data analytics cell. Um you know, just just across the board, great opportunities. And then I mentioned West Point. We have both an EW and a 170 Alpha uh, cyber position in EW. That way they get to work on the research. They specifically work for the research portion of it, and they get a chance to, to look at big Army problems in relation to cyber and EW and provide input and, and work on the education piece, all of that, uh, which is fantastic for opportunities for warrant officers that come over to this branch.
0: So you've hit a lot on like the certifications and training opportunities. Now if you could list the top three that a new EW cyber warrant should kind of focus on or look at obtaining on either the professional or the personal side, what would they be and why?
1: Okay. The first one would probably be Security Plus or the SANS version with GSEC, I believe. Uh, th- that's going to teach you your basic on, on what you need to do to protect no- uh, networks. Uh, it's going to teach you the, the basics of uh, encryption, of hashes, of, of physical security, of of how to mitigate risk. That That, that is a that is a key certification and a baseline certification, whether it's the Security Plus CompTIA's version or GSEC, which is Sans version. That that every cyber warrant should have in cyber EW warrant, regardless. Uh, the next one is something like uh, it's, it's a Linux version, whether it's Red Hat, um, any of those type type uh Ubuntu, any of those type. Certifications we have on our. Uh, if you go to the Cool website on the 170 Alpha, you'll see Red Hat. I believe this Red Hat Fundamentals or Red Hat Engineer is one of the certifications that that's on there. I I advise all brand new warrants since they already have an ASO when they come in to take advantage of the Cool website. And so if they don't have those certifications, as soon as they come in, take advantage so that they can uh, get past that two-year ASO since they already have an ASO and it'll run uh, concurrently. Um, to go and get a Linux certification. That way you you understand that. The reason I don't say a Windows certification is because we all use Windows. Windows is a common Mm -hmm. uh, operating system everywhere, so I I wouldn't push that one too hard. And then finally, you need a hands-on certification. Uh, It's great to do the memorization. Memorization certifications are great. You you, you understand the way the process works. But where you really test a person's technical skill is when they get a chance to actually have to go in and fix a problem hands-on uh and you know some of those are oscp osce uh casp you go some of the harder certifications so i put them all in a category as opposed to naming one because i think on our site on the cool there's something like 57 certifications so uh and 10 of them are my most so i it, you definitely want to set a security one uh, you definitely want one that deals with um Linux, and then you definitely want a certification that deals with hands on either protecting the network, handling incidents, incidents response, or something like that.
0: Okay, great. And some of that they can have access to as they're waiting to go to walks and kind of get a head start on that as well.
1: Yes, so. de- definitely, definitely.
0: So do you have any parting comments that you would like to share, anything that you would like to add at this time before we wrap it up? I know it's a lot of information and hopefully it's beneficial to those that are looking at cyber EW, you know, warrant officer path, but anything that we didn't cover or anything that you just might want to reiterate at this time.
1: Um, I think, you know, I think we covered a, a great deal. But at, at the end of the day, uh, it's probably a couple things I would want to impart on individuals that's looking to either be cyber or EW. One, don't disqualify yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. I, I, we're, we're we're likely we may have our first eleven Bravo that becomes a one seventy Alpha this board. We may we may have a first eleven Bravo. Uh, I know last board we had our first 18 series become 170 alphas. So don't disqualify yourself. Uh, th- that's one. Two, uh, I th- probably the most questions I get from candidates that want to become warrant officers uh, could be answered if they went to the warrant officer recruiting page. I, I-, I will say 90, 95% of the questions I get mm-hmm. if if they just went to the warrant officer recruiting page and read all of the warrant officer recruit page, and I know it's a lot of information, but almost any question you could think of is on there. There are very few questions that can't be answered on the warrant officer Recruiter page, whether the general requirements or the or or the uh, 170 Alpha, 170 Bravo specifics. And then, and then finally, um, cyber and EW it is where the battlefield of the future will be. In cyberspace we all know this we're getting to the point where you know if you could be on the front lines when the tank was first introduced this is where we are in cyber people that come over cyber will be pioneers of the way the military not just the army the way the military the way the US fights its battles protects our government protects our 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 country and responds to uh, threats for for the next 50 to 100 years. This is, we are on the the cusp of greatness right here. So uh, those interested, that that should be your reason right there why you would want to switch over and become either a 170 Alpha or a 170 Bravo. And that's all I have. Thanks for having me, uh, Chief Sewell.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Chief Matthews, for joining us today and giving us insight into your job along with, you know, cyber and EW and the differences (laughs) between what applicants can expect as they embark next adventure and for those of you that you know joined us and listen thank you this is a great opportunity for you one that you will not regret the cohort even though you know it may seem big it is we refer to it as you know similar to the specialist mafia right everyone is there to help and assist you everyone wants to see everyone succeed doesn't matter if it's within the same as proponent as you or not and if you have questions you know feel free to reach out to a warrant officer recruiter you know chief Matthews you know, find a warrant within your organization, reach out to them, and by all means, visit our website. It has 95% of the information that you need is on that website. So thank you guys again, and thank you, Chief Matthews, for joining us today.
1: All right. Thank you, Chief Sul.